as the children of Israel stood on the beach must have been suffocating. It all started off with thunder and lightning and the ground shaking. But the Jews, they were learning about God. These Jews were learning how God directs our footsteps. Even if it brings you right to the Red Sea, because he wants to display his glory. The Jews were learning that the enemy was really active. They saw the Egyptians behind them. They brought great fear, and they were taught to acknowledge the enemy, but to fix your eyes on Jesus. They were learning that prayer helps them stay calm and confident in God. They were learning that, that God is faithful, worthy of our trust so that we can walk by faith. They were also learning they needed to fear God in order to grow in their faith. This week, they will learn just how natural praise is to anyone who has experienced God, that it just flows. So let's pray before we open up the word today. Father, you are an awesome God. You are a big God. You are a God that absolutely blows away any of our expectations. We have no idea how it is to speak into creation all of the worlds and the seas. We don't understand how you can differentiate between all different people, how you're involved in their lives. We don't get that. We don't get how great. We don't get how powerful. We don't get how gracious. We don't get how holy you are, God. We, we don't. But we thank you that you are our Father and that you desire deeply for a relationship with each of us. That confuses us. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together and to praise and to learn from you. I thank you, Father, for Nate Gardner, who last week was able to share and teach and encourage the flock here. Lord, not only Nate, but I, I thank you, Father, for all those who are teaching and learning for those adults that met earlier this morning, for all those kids who are downstairs and listening to your word taught on their level. Oh God, we thank you for them. We are grateful that your word is honored here and we are grateful that you are honored here. But God, we are not the only church in this area that teaches your word and sings your praises. We pray this day, Father, for LifeBridge and for Orchard and for Wonder Lake Bible. Lord, there are so many other churches around, not only in our area, in our country, but in our world, people that are meeting in all different places, opening up your life-transforming word and learning 
and then erupting into praise, sometimes silently, for fear that they will be known. God, this day we meet and ask you to do something special. We're going to be finishing up a series. But God, over these last weeks, we have learned so much about you and how we can trust you in spite of hard circumstances. You're revealing yourself to us, Father, and we just want to say thank you. So this day, Father, open our eyes. May your servant not confuse anything. May your word be clear. And would you receive all honor and glory. We thank you, Lord, and we love you, Lord. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. If you're newer to our fellowship, we have been spending the last five weeks, well, other than Nate's message, in the book of Exodus in chapter 14. We're going to leak over to chapter 15 today. But we have learned how this massive group of people, probably around 2 million people, are being led by God. And they're learning. In just moments before our text today, we know that the Red Sea was open. And that the children of Israel walked through the Red Sea with walls of water on both sides. And they walked through on dry ground all the way to the beach. When all two million got there, and I'm not sure how long that takes. I mean, two million walking two blocks would take a long time, in my opinion. (laughs) But they get there. And they stop. And all of a sudden, the waters come together again. And all of their enemies are engulfed. They stand there looking, and in just a little while, bodies start floating up on the seashore. And they're waiting, and they're looking just covered the sand. Exodus 15 happens right now. Turn your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 15. And let me start reading for you. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. They sang this song. I will sing to the Lord. For he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both the horse and rider in the sea. You got it. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Oh, come on. You can sing with me, right? Ready? This is, you all know the tune, right? 
This is my God, and I will praise him. I'm not hearing it. <laughs> my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Stand up with me. Stand up. Stand up. It's coming. It's coming. Ready? Pharaoh's chariots and army he has hurled into the sea. The finest of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters gush over them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. Oh, smashes the enemy. <laughs> it's a good thing we have the words. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow those who rise against you. You unleash your blazing fury. It consumes them like straw. We're going to stop. Stay standing. This is a long chapter, and I was warned that we probably shouldn't do this. But I didn't listen. All right. We are at verse 8. Thank you. Let's read together. We don't have to sing. Let's just read together. Okay? At the blast of your breath, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood straight like a wall. In the heart of the sea, the deep waters became hard. The enemy boasted, I will chase them and catch up with them. I will plunder them and consume them. I will flash my sword. My powerful hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders? You raised your right hand, and the earth swallowed our enemies. With your unfailing love, you led the people you have redeemed. In your might, you guide them to your sacred home. The peoples hear and tremble. Anguish grips them who live in Philistine. The leaders of Edom are terrified. The nobles of Moab tremble. All those who live in Canaan melt away. Terror and dread fall upon them. The power of your arm makes them lifeless as stone. Until your people pass by, O Lord, until the people you purchase pass by, you will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, reserved for your own dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Would you sit down, please? A nation that all of a sudden started singing, overwhelmed by God's greatness and power and authority, looking before them at an enemy that was no way going to end up like this, at least what they had thought. 
but God had won. It was a nation of liberated slaves singing and clapping and dancing. Now, did everyone participate? Some had to be a little bit comfortable. Could we go to that next slide, please? Keep going. Thank you. We are a nation of liberated slaves. We are just like those on the beach, just like those. We are slaves. We, those who have come to faith in Jesus, those who have recognized that Jesus died on the cross for them and shed his blood so that you and I might be redeemed, all those who have come to faith, all those who are part of God's family, we are liberated slaves. We've been rescued from the penalty of sin. No one who has come to faith will ever spend eternity at any time separate from God. They've been rescued from sin's power. We no longer have to serve sin, sin that produces death in each one of us. Every day, those who are part of God's family stand at the beach amazed. We can't, we can't believe that our God is this big and powerful we don't even know what to say at times because of the grace that's been extended to us. We know what we deserve. I know what I deserve. Because one sin, one bad thought, one poor response separates me from a holy God. It's not like God doesn't want us to be together, but, but His holiness requires us to be holy. And that's what happened on the cross. And that's what the blood of Jesus did. And so we stand justified. But we know that we've offended a holy God. And so we again confess our sin. We walk through life. We recognize that life with God matters. Matters. As fear grows, so does our awe and worship. Our future is secure. So in light of that, in light of understanding all that God is, all that God does, our position as sons and daughters, our future that is so secure... I wonder why some who know the Lord don't praise the Lord. Why, why tears seldom fall, if ever. And why some don't dance. Now granted, I'm not throwing stones. I, I just want to ask some questions because there are times in our lives that we're unable to praise 
we're unable to joyfully sing the name of Jesus. There are. But I'm talking about patterns, patterns in our life. I think sometimes we get more riled up about a hockey goal or a great tackle. And there's great enthusiasm that comes from us and shouts. I think sometimes we wear jerseys and paint our faces and even go early to games, early. So you can prepare and make sure that you get there for the start because you don't want to miss one thing. You even fight the traffic. And you pay for parking and tickets. And about 10 bucks for a hot dog. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Maybe we need a crisis to remind ourselves how wonderful and how big and glorious our God is. And maybe it's even got to be greater than COVID. That crisis. When it absolutely hamstrung our nation for at least months. And still dictates how some of us behave. It was so nice after COVID to be able to come back and, and to worship. And you would have thought there would be quite the celebration when we returned to worship. There would have been great excitement. And I think there was for some, but so many people just enjoyed being together with other people. Oh, it's nice to be out. It's nice to see a face. It's nice to be with one another. But many times it wasn't how wonderful it is to gather together with God's people in order to worship corporately and to be able to praise and be reminded who he is. Oh, I miss that. It's just not the same in front of a monitor. It's just not the same when I'm alone in my living room. Oh, it was wonderful. You see, what's interesting here is that I think chapter 15 describes life with God. It reminds us how wonderful, how big, how terrific, how gracious our God is. Go back to your Bibles, if you would. In chapter 15, and starting at verse 1, Moses starts off singing, as we learned, and he says, I will sing to the Lord. Why? Why would Moses sing to the Lord? What would force him to sing? This leader, this older leader. There's not even any music being played. What would force him to do that? Will you read? For he, God, has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both the horse and the rider into the sea. This is unbelievable. God, whoa! Then he goes on in verse 2, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him. This God that just allowed this to happen, he's mine. 
He's my dad. I have a relationship with him. I must praise him. I must let him know this is unbelievable. Verse 3, the Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. He fights for me. He takes care of me. He protects me. He guides me. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. In verse 6, your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. It smashes the enemy. Father, you are way more powerful than I can even imagine. In verses 8 and 10, at the blast of your breath, waters pile up, and then the sea returns. <laughs> Do you believe it? You talk. <laughs> We walk, and then you talk. God, who does this? God, there's no one like you. And, I, and I'm one of your kids. God, I must sing. I must praise. And then verses 11 through 13. What a declaration. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord, glorious in, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. You raised your right hand, and the earth swallowed our enemies. With your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. In your might, you guide them to your sacred home. <laughs> Who's like you, Father? I love you. I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you. I know I should be consumed. I know you've been gracious in my life. I know that you died in my place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And then verse 18. The Lord will reign forever and ever. The Lord will reign. You are in control, Father. You alone know how this world works. I can trust you. Things aren't happening the way that I like. Things are a little slow in my opinion. Oh, God, you reign, you reign, you are sovereign. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then, and then, Miriam and the ladies danced and tambourined. Now, let me tell you, I do not think tambourine's a word, but we're going to use it. Look at verse 20. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led all the women as they played their tambourines and danced. And Miriam sang this song, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. Can you picture this? Can you just picture this chorus going on? And it stops. And then all of a sudden, the ladies go crazy. They get their tambourines wherever they are, and they start dancing and doing their own praise. 
You know, as I read this text, I thought of the church in Cambodia and in Haiti and in Jamaica. Their churches, every one of them that I was in, they were crude. And their services were so long. Two, three, four hours. Whoa, that's way past my attention span. I made about 16 trips to Jamaica, up into the hills, where we lived in, well, the homes of these church members. Most of them one-room homes. Most of them no electricity. Battery-operated and solar-type things. None of them that I lived with had indoor plumbing. Not even one. But there was something different. They would get up early. They would walk because anything else was kind of a luxury. But the meeting was critical. They loved getting together. And they came together on Sunday mornings. And they came together on Sunday nights. And they came together on Wednesdays. And they praised and they learned and they listened And to be quite honest, most of the teams that I brought were high school students. Most of them between, well, we had about 15 to 18. We had probably two or three different leaders with us at that moment. And we went down there with our guitars and our amps. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And we were quite special. You do know I did not sing, (laughs) at least loud. And so we would get up there, and they would all maybe just sit there, look at you. And we would sing with great vigor. And I remember one song, Shout to the Lord. It's a little dated, but but that's where we were at there. And we would sing it to the top of our lungs, and they would kind of sit there. And then all of a sudden, it would be their turn. They would come up and take our guitars and our snare drum and our tambourines. All right? The kids would have these egg shakers. All right? And all of a sudden, the church would ignite. And all of us suburban people would do this. Wait a minute, nothing makes sense. You don't have any PowerPoint. Not one thing is up there. Could you go to the next slide, please? Not one thing was up there. Not one. And we looked. They're jumping around. I said, well, you know, it's the culture. Yeah, maybe. But there was such enthusiasm. And we started asking them, well, what, why, why do you make this such a priority? Why do you come? Why do you do all this? And at first, like I said, it, threat, it was threatening to us. 
But then all of a sudden, it, it ignited us. I brought back three of their tambourines. We started to change a practice. And I don't even know if you can see them. These things are beat up. What we started to do is as we went down there, we would bring these guys. You could really beat these up. And we would exchange them. We'd say, hey, could I trade you your tambourine for this one? Mostly because we wanted them to be dignified and, and wanted them to know that. And what happened was so cool, we traded them. But what we saw was a group of people that were so overwhelmed by God's grace. No real instruments, no anything other than just praise from God, beating tambourines, shaking eggs, jumping around saying, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Now, that wasn't in every song because every song probably isn't a tambourine song. I also thought back of one of the first pastors they served with. His name was Pastor Bill Johnson at Marine Valley. Pastor Bill, he was legally deaf. He had a receiver about this big underneath his shirt back then. And he could lip read, but honestly, you think I'm not so good? But what I learned from Bill as he sat in the front row, or even back in those days, all the pastors sat in chairs back here. And we were singing and praising God. And I would be sitting there, singing and praising God. And Bill Johnson, like this and shouting, especially for a shout to the Lord. And I, it was, I, I did everything. I, I got distracted. I almost started laughing. I go, this sounds terrible. I, I cannot even believe it. It did not make one difference to Bill. He was doing there. He was dancing around and he shouted to the Lord. I said, holy cats, I'm with a pastor that can't even hear. And he's singing to Jesus. Wow. Do I think everybody has to do that? No, I don't. I don't. But what I do know is that when people are connected with God, there is something that happens inside where praise begins to come out. We don't just stand there. We don't just sit there. There is something our almighty God has worked, and we are overwhelmed by his grace and his rescue, and we sing do you know the greatest songs of faith, for the most part, have flowed from people who experience God? Some of these songs you may not know, but I think there's plenty in here that do. Blessed Assurance. One of the 8,000 songs written by blind Fanny Crosby. This is what this blind lady put down on a pen. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Hair of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. It wasn't about our circumstance. 
Amazing Grace. John Newton, some of you know this, was a slave trader and described his very personal journey out of spiritual blindness into the light of God's grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. Without Jesus, that's who I am. <laughs> Jesus, your grace, your grace, thank you, thank you. I know what I deserve. Great is thy faithfulness. Thomas Chisholm was a poor Kentuckian. He struggled with health, hardly could keep a job. Over and over and over he was discouraged. And he writes, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see, Lord. All I have needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Father, I am overwhelmed. Thank you, Jesus. How Great Thou Art was written by Carl Boberg. Wrote this after experiencing the calm of a storm. Saw the amazing thunder and the lightning. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God, to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. I've just never seen anything like this. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God, to thee. How great thou art. A, a song a little later, it's, maybe you've even seen the movie, but it's called I Can Only Imagine. And, and this song was written by Bart Millard from Mercy Me after a really hard life. His dad was quite abusive. But his dad changed when he started listening to Jesus. And his life was transformed. And the song was birthed from Bart's painful, painful story. And this is almost an anthem at every believer's funeral. And some of you have heard this. Surrounded by your glory. There was when you meet Jesus. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you, just be still. Will I stand in your presence or to my knees? Will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. I don't even know what it would be like when I see you, Jesus. Turn with me to your Bibles. With your Bible. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 77. These psalms were written hundreds of years after the Red Sea. But the psalmist actually was written by one of David's worship leaders. In Psalm 77, the first 10 verses, the psalmist basically says, are, are you listening, God? Do you care anymore? Do you understand the circumstances that I'm in? It says, verse 1, I cry out to God, yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep, Lord. I'm too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days long since ended when my nights were filled with joyful songs. 
I search my soul and ponder the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he ever be kind to me again? Is his, is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? He just said, this is my fate. Pretty discouraged. Pretty downhearted. And then verse 11. But, and I encourage you to circle your Bibles, all right, certain words. But, 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 let me tell you, I'm feeling this way. But I want you to know you are faithful. Listen to him. But then I recall all you've done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I can't stop thinking about your mighty works. Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. And look at verse 16. Probably written 400 years, but so clear. 400 years after it happened. The psalmist writes this, When the Red Sea saw you, O God... Its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sea. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunders roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth shook and trembled. You rolled led right through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one even knew was there. You led your people along the road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. And then what the psalmist writes is this. I want to tell everybody. I, I wasn't feeling so good, but then I remembered who you are and how powerful you are, and now I just want to tell everyone. Chapter 78, verse 1. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord and about his power and his, and his mighty works. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not born. For they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give to the Lord. These psalms were written during King David's time. God was at work, and things were pretty good for Israel, actually, at this moment. But Asaph emphasizes God's faithfulness. We've been focusing on praise this morning. Praise that just comes naturally because you know God. Praise that just comes naturally because you've experienced God. 
Not some kind of praise that's forced, but just grateful praise. Now, I do know a lack of energy in praise could mean a few things. It could mean you don't know God. We'd love to sit down and encourage you to trust this amazing God. It might mean you don't know God well because you can't be casual to who God is. It might mean you're not spending time with him. It might mean your relationship is stagnant and, and these songs are just words. In that case, it means we need to repent. It means we need to get back into fellowship. It's a big billboard that says, I need you, Jesus. And it also could mean you're just healing and recovering uh, physically and emotionally and even spiritually and just even unable to focus well. You know, one of the things that I just want to encourage you is no one sitting around taking videos of you worshiping. But it might be a sign of your relationship with God. It doesn't mean, again, that you have to jump up and down or use the tambourine. But it does mean that, God, you are so overwhelming and so wonderful and so gracious that there are just times you just need to let him know and show it. You see, Red Sea Rule number six is don't forget to praise him. So many of us have experienced God and even for years and years and years and we forget how important it is to say thank you. And maybe even during this Thanksgiving season, it might be even a time to reflect a little more and say thank you, thank you. You know, each one of us, even when we go through dark times, don't understand God's ways most of the time. But one thing I've noticed when I've flown in a plane and when I'm below the clouds and the thunder is coming down and the, and the gray seems to permeate everything, eventually that pilot takes that plane and brings it above the clouds. And above the clouds is so different. It's so bright. It's so refreshing. It's so encouraging. And I think that's sometimes how we feel. We only praise God when things are good. We only praise God when we have jobs, when our kids obey, when you fill in the blank. And God says, no. I just want to remind you that tonight we spend the evening thanking God. I don't know what your plans are. I don't. And, and maybe you won't even be around. But I know this, is that we have an opportunity to, to come back. And I invite you back. We start at 5 o'clock and have fellowship and, and enjoy some chili. And if you don't like chili, come anyway, just sit around. All right. And then afterwards, we come up here to the worship center. 
and we tell stories of God's grace and we sing of God's amazing love for us. And we get to refocus in spite of all the things that you're going through even this day. I invite you to come back. Come back. This morning, though, this morning, we're going to have a time to worship. As you can tell, we switch things around. I spoke first, maybe to encourage you to worship. Maybe everything will be the same, but, but maybe your worship might be a little bit different today as you refocus and you thank God for all that he has so this morning, let's sing, let's tambourine, let's dance. And when we leave, let's tell others of God's amazing grace. Let me pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. I thank you, dear God, that you saved us. I thank you that you paid the debt. I thank you, Lord, that we can stand on the shore and be overwhelmed by all that you do about your timing and about your grace. We get to not only look forward to today, but to an amazing future, and we can only imagine. So God, even now, receive our praise. Would it bring you glory? In Jesus' name, amen.